this has been an incredible, incredible season. We have seen God work in miraculous ways. Have you ever felt like you've been on that wave, that uh, this Jesus wave throughout? Uh, uh, I felt like that these last five weeks or so as we've gone through this series about uh, um, miracles and then faith promise and this incredible time. I want to give you just a, a couple updates of a couple weeks ago when we had our healing service, there was at least, at least 55 people that came and asked to be anointed on our healing service. That, we can give God a round of applause for that. But what God did through that, the stories are still coming in. I wanted to just update you a little bit about that. Um, one of our stories, uh, literally, uh, a family was praying before church. They needed to see a miracle in their life, and they prayed. They have a, a nephew that was literally lost. He had gone, uh, like, under the radar, missing. Uh, he had been addicted to drugs and alcohol, and they were praying that they would see a miracle. And on their way to church that morning, they saw him walking on the street. They picked him up, and he agreed to come to church with them that morning. We got to pray with him. And uh, I get to tell you that for the last two weeks, he has not had any drugs or alcohol. That's incredible. Uh, when we were praying with him, he got to, uh, he was praying for his sons that day. And we believe that God has broken that bondage uh, of addiction. And uh, also, uh, we had somebody come forward that wanted to be uh, anointed in proxy for somebody else. So she came forward and asked that we would uh, pray for her grandson who has cancer. And he has had some of the best weeks since his diagnosis, since our prayer service. Praise God for that. And I so want to steal the thunder of this next story, but I'm not going to because you have to wait till next week to hear that story. So God is still the God of miracles. Amen. And I don't believe he is done. I believe he is just getting started with what he is doing with us today. And so today we're going to start this new series about a man of God that really has a quite a few miracles under his belt because of God. He is a tremendous man of God. His story is found in the Old Testament. Uh, particularly starting in 1 Kings chapter 17. So if you want to go ahead and find that in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. If you get to 2 Kings, you've gone just a little too far. So 1 Kings chapter 17. And while you're looking that up, let me set the context of this story. The guy's name is Elijah, and Elijah is a prophet of God. And in those, those days, there were men and women who would receive a revelation from their, from God, from our God. And it was their job to go and tell the people or maybe even tell a particular person what God had said. And so Elijah was such a man and we, we really know very little about him. In fact, we know very, very little about Elijah. His story just starts abruptly in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. But to understand Elijah, we have to understand the context of the, uh, what was going on in the time that he was alive. The nation of Israel uh, had been divided into two separate kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom which retained the name of Israel. And there was a southern kingdom called Judah. 
And the northern kingdom had just spent the last 200 years with 19 consecutive evil kings. Now, I'm not talking about a, an ineffective king. I'm not talking about even a lousy king. We're talking 19 consecutive evil kings. Evil men, terrible human beings that did evil and disastrous things in the eyes of the Lord. One after another. And just when you think maybe, you know, the, this king's gone, maybe we're going to have a better king. Nope. Somebody worse shows up on, on the scene and uh, things are getting worse all the time. So the time of Elijah, the king at that time was uh, King Ahab, whom the Bible describes as having done more evil than even all of the others before him. So this is not a real nice guy. To make matters worse, he married a woman named Jezebel. And you probably heard that name before. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard that name Jezebel. No parents name their little, little daughters Jezebel today because of this woman here, right? Uh, some say that she is the evilest woman who has ever lived. And all those years of all these evil kings, one after another, and then enter in the worst one, King Ahab. And all this has taken its toll over the Israelite people. And the eyes of, of the people have turned away from God, the one true God. And they've started to follow all of these false gods like Baal and Asherah. And the followers of these false gods would commit terrible acts and they would call it worship while they were doing it. And followers would sacrifice, literally sacrifice their children and call that worship. And they would commit terrible acts of sexual sins and they would all do this in the name of their gods, Baal and Asherah. And so enter into this story, into this time, uh, this time of evil, this man of God, a single man named Elijah. The world had become so perverse that God had to make a change and he had to do something. And God, being God, he could have sent a flood if he wanted to, but he didn't. He could have just destroyed the entire nation and started over, but he didn't. He could have placed anyone that he wanted on the throne instead of King Ahab, but he didn't. He sent a dude. He sent this normal guy that's not unlike you and me. And so 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we get our very first introduction. All of a sudden, it seems like kind of in the middle of the story, but here we get to see what this God Although this man of God was up to. Verse 1 says this, Now Elijah, who is from Tishbe of Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Wow. So remember that the people had moved away from God in their worship and they were worshiping all of these other multiple gods. They were a polytheistic society, which means they just, they worshiped one of a whole bunch of gods. And societies of this time had an explanation for everything. And so if there was no rain, that mean that Baal, the God of the clouds, 
or the God of fertility, the God of rain, was submitting himself over to Mot, which was the God of death. And so this is becoming now more and more rare for the people to worship God as their true God. They wanted a little bit of this mixed in with a little bit of that. And so let's just mix in a little bit of Baal worship and let's mix in a little bit of Yahweh worship and let's have a little bit of Asher worship. Whatever floated their boat at the moment, that's who they were going to worship for that day. It's not unlike our culture, is it? We live in a time where exclusive worship to God as the one true God is becoming increasingly rare. Mix in a little horoscope. What's that going to hurt? Mix in a little astrology. Mix in a little pop culture. Mix in a little conspiracy theory here and now. How about a little naturalism or self-worship? Whatever we would like. Whatever, whatever we would want to worship that day, that's okay. Truth has become relative in our society. Basically, we find a lot of people in America that really want God during their death, but have little to do with him during their life. And Elijah and we live in this twisted theology where people have, be, have started to call good evil and evil good. And it's into this, it's into this scene that this guy from Tishbe shows up. Who is this guy, Elijah? We don't know a whole lot about him. We know very little about him. We don't even really know where Tishbe was. There's some ideas. We're not exactly sure. But apparently he grew up in obscurity, and that should alone encourage us today that God can and he will use anyone. It doesn't matter if you grew up in, in uh, Pekin or Peoria. It doesn't matter if you grew up in Lewiston or London or whether you grew up in Bourbonnais or Bombay. It doesn't matter. God can and he will use you if he wants to. And this is why PFN knows that we are a place for people to find God in their purpose. Uh, to be known and to know Jesus. To, to be valued and to see value in other people. And then also to realize that God has given us his purpose in life. God had given Elijah a purpose and it was to bring this message to King Ahab. Basically, God used this hillbilly guy, this hillbilly preacher from Tishbe to get the job done. And so here's Elijah. He's standing in front of the king and he says, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, as surely as my God lives. There is going to be no more rain. There'll not even be any dew on the grass until I say so. This is guts. This, this guy has uh, a lot of spunk here. He's got grit. He's got nerves to steel. Who is he to stand in front of this powerful king? If he was afraid to, to stand in front of the king that day, we don't know it. See, we live in this era where we've heard many people say that the Lord does not give us a spirit of fear. But what does that mean? What does that mean when you, when you hear that? How do we live a fearless life? Well, Elijah gives us a, a couple of lessons here. Uh, I, I, Elijah believed in and followed the one 
true God. And because he knows that Yahweh is the living God, he's able to stand in front of this king named Ahab and put this king in his place. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write these down. Uh, Number one is because Elijah believes in what God has said, he proclaims it. He proclaims it. Elijah knows that God is a God who always keeps his word. If God has said it, it's going to happen. If God has promised it, we can count on that. And Elijah and his people knew that if they were to trust in the Lord alone for rain, they would have known scripture like this one in Deuteronomy chapter 11. It says, but be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. Uh Uh-oh. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the grain and the ground will fail to produce its harvests. Then you will quickly die in that good land the Lord is giving you. Ouch. They would have known the scripture. They would have known what God had already foretold. It it didn't stop raining because the God of rain was submitting over to the God of death. It wasn't raining because God said it wasn't going to rain, right? So Elijah says that not only will it not rain, but there isn't even going to be any dew on the grass, God isn't just doing this halfway. He's telling everybody. He's clearly demonstrating his judgment. And God is also still looking for a few courageous people that are going to stand up and proclaim his truth. Now, I I personally haven't ever been called into the company of kings to proclaim God's desires, but I get to represent him and his truth and his love and his grace. I get to uphold the scripture in a world that is making up its own version of what truth is. And I don't have to fear the world. I get to proclaim the truth of God and I get to do it publicly for 30 minutes every week and you get to show up and hear it, right? So, but I don't just get to do it here uh, in front of a church in a sanctuary. I get to proclaim God wherever I'm at. And I get to proclaim God at Walmart and Target and Kroger and my home. It may not just be delivering a sermon. I need to live the sermon every day, wherever I go. And so do you. Secondly, because Elijah believed in what the Lord had said, he prays it. We don't see Elijah in this, uh, in 1 Kings 17 praying. We do see him praying at the end of the drought in 1 Kings 18. But the New Testament, uh, in the New Testament, James writes about Elijah. And he says this, the earnest prayer of a right, righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human just as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years years. See, whatever bravery that Elijah had was strengthened through his life of prayer. Long before Elijah stood face to face with that king, he sat next to God. That's key for us. Long before he stood face to face with that king, he sat 
next to God. There's a lesson there for us. Bravery in proclaiming the truth of God doesn't come until after, or until after prayer. For this instance, King Ahab had to hear it straight. He needed to hear it straight from the mouth of God. He needed Elijah to tell Ahab just exactly how it was going to be, not mix, uh, miss words at all. Sometimes you have to talk forcefully. Sometimes you have to speak with authority. I remember when my last year of college and I was at EMT and I was on call for Jackson County, Illinois. If you don't know where that is, that's Carbondale. That uh, is the, uh, one of the biggest party schools in the state. And so here I was on night shift in one of my very first weeks and we were answering a call to pick up some drunk college students and they had gotten into a fight. And in the process, when the police tried to break them up, they were all pepper sprayed. And as you can imagine, their behavior wasn't the best that night. Yet being one of my very first calls, I was taken back by the paramedic that I was with, yelled at all of the college students and said, you are going to sit down and you are going to do it now. Whoa. <laughs> I'm telling you, as drunk as they were that night, as much pain as they were in from that pepper spray, all of them immediately sat down and shut up. They had to obey in order to receive the care. Sometimes that's exactly what is needed, isn't it? But we don't have to proclaim God's truth like that. We don't have to say, you are going to believe in Jesus and you are going to do it right now. Is that going to work? Probably, probably not. So uh, surely not before we take time to pray right? Like Elijah most likely did. First Peter chapter three, verse 15 says, always be ready to tell everyone who asks you why you believe as you do. And then he adds, be gentle as you speak and show respect. See that kind of patience in our world of indifference to the ways of God only comes to us through prayer. Let prayer always temper our tongue. And thirdly, because Elijah believes what God has said, he obeys it. Here's the rest of this passage here this morning in 1 Kings 17, starting at verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped besides Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens bought, brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Let's go back to, to verse 5. Verse 5 says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him. Elijah's life was consumed with obedience to the Lord and God's word. Elijah may have given God this sideways look, but we don't know about it. Elijah, go east and drink from a brook there and ravens will bring you food. What? What are you talking about, God? 
All we know is that Elijah obeyed. And Elijah went. Uh, In our family, Carol and I have obeyed God many times where it seemed like that was the strangest thing to do in our life at that time. We left really, really good paying jobs. We left financial security. We left friends. We, we left family in order to pursue what God had for us. But I've never had to drink out of a creek. I've, I've never had to wait for a bird to bring me food, right? But Elijah did. Why would he do that? Well, again, we don't know much about his life before this, but I can tell you positively that obedience was already the wheelhouse of Elijah. He was already used to obeying the Lord or else I don't think he ever would have done this, right? He, he, he obeyed the seemingly strange request of God because he was used to doing it. See, Elijah's sensitivity to prayer in God's world set him apart from his culture. He lived by God's word in a a culture that continued to reject it. But Elijah's a lot like us. He's a lot like us. He was just this ordinary guy. Why don't we become more like him? See, Elijah teaches us to believe what God has said. Our God is the living word, and we must be the people who speak and pray and obey his living word because we know it is true. Now, before we finish up, there's another point of this that I want to bring out from this uh, passage today. The Lord tells Elijah to hide down by the Carith brook. In other versions, it calls it the Carith brook ravine. Why would, why would God choose that place? Why would, why would he send him there? He just sent Elijah to the most powerful king in the world. And it would seem like it's go time. It seems like it would be rumble time. Like God is getting ready to have it out with this king. Finally, it seems like this is the time for the big showdown where the man of God meets the king kind of reminds me of those old westerns where the two would meet together on the main street at high noon, right? The townspeople would all be gathered to watch this spectacular shootout. One of them is going to live and one of them is not, but it's not what happens here at all. We assume that Abab wasn't too pleased with this news from God. Uh, We assume that this guy that was Uh, telling this king or we assume that God wasn't too happy. We assume that this king was going to be out for this messenger from God. We assume that Ahab wanted to come after Elijah. Otherwise, why did Elijah have to retreat and why did he have to escape? Why did Elijah have to go into hiding and why did he go into hiding there? See, Elijah is instructed to go to the Carith Ravine and wait things out for a while. And while he's there, he's supposed to drink from the brook and he's supposed to allow these birds, these ravens to bring him something to eat. And God is telling Elijah, there's so much more in store for you. I need to do so much more with you later. 
And the lesson might be the same for us today. God is doing a preparatory work in Elijah. God is doing a preparatory work in you for an upcoming battle. See, God sent Elijah to the Kerith Ravine. In Hebrew, Kerith literally is translated as cut off. It means to be cut off from a source. It means to be cut off from your blessings. It very literally means to cut down or chop down a tree. So if you're taking notes, this may be what God is doing in your life today. I don't know, but maybe, could it be that God is taking you through a season of breaking? Some of you are in the Kerith Ravine as we speak. You're in a valley, you're in a ravine of sorts where you're wondering, where is God? Why do I feel like I am cut off from God now? But I promise you, he is watching. He is watching very closely. And perhaps your valley is God, God induced, or at least it is going to be used by God to prepare you for something even more. See, God is telling you that while you're in that valley right now in your life, he is taking you through a season that is to prepare you for the mountaintop. God is saying, I am doing something in you now so that I can do something bigger with you later. Some of you are right there now. It's no fun being in that valley. It is no fun at all. No one understands what you're going through. You feel like you're absolutely on your own. Nobody's going through this with us except God. You feel all alone and you're living in a time that is teaching you that you need to be completely dependent on God. I'm telling you that if you find yourself today in that Carith ravine, there is a blessing on the other side. Your reliance on, on God may not have been able to be taught to you in any other way than this. But is it easy? No, of course not. It's not supposed to be. We want to be self-reliant, but maybe God is taking us through this period in time where we have no other choice than to be reliant on him for everything. And so maybe God is telling you, don't worry. I'm also taking you through a season of dependence. Remember what's going on here at this time. There is a drought. There is no water. There's not even dew on the grass and famine would be hitting soon. People and, the, and livestock would would be dying now. And for three years, this went on. And for part of that time, God had provided for Elijah every single day there in the Kerith Ravine, where he stayed by a brook leading to the Jordan River. It's in the middle of a drought. There's no rain in that. And here's this brook that he gets a drink from. And then all of a sudden we have God's catering service show up. And these ravens bring him food, they bring him bread, and they bring him meat every morning and every evening. They deliver these things straight to the prophet. What is God doing here? It's very clearly, I think God is saying, and very distinctly God is saying, I will be faithful to you. Even when you are in the ravine, 
I will deliver to you what you need. You can always count on me. And some of you are in that ravine this morning. You're in this season where the cost of everything is going up. We're all feeling the effects of, of inflation. I'm sure all of us in some way have cut back some, someplace. But even during these troubling times, we need to be reminded that God always has our back. Some of you are in deeper than others, aren't you? Some of you are literally wondering where the money will come to pay that next Amron bill. Some of you are wondering how you're going to pay for that hospital bill. And the collection service keeps calling. And God is telling you, I, I've got this. You know you're in the ravine right now. But I've always been the one to provide for you. And I'm never going to stop. See, God is telling us that he will deliver just, just like for Elijah. He will deliver to us what we need. I'm not saying God is going to deliver everything that we want. That might be part of the lesson here. He wants you to trust him in what you need. He's still your provider. And look at what he provided for Elijah. He didn't deliver him just a, a week's worth of food. Here's you know, all these ravens come and dump a whole bunch of food there and he can eat off it for a week. No. It wasn't a week's worth, it wasn't a month's worth, it wasn't a season's worth. It wasn't even enough for a day. Every morning and every evening, the ravens would deliver him what he needed. He was teaching Elijah to rely on him every moment of the day. And did you notice that God chose ravens? To deliver food to Elijah, ravens are known for not even taking care of their own young. But God used them to feed his prophet. If God can take a bird that looks out for itself so much that it doesn't even feed its own young, then I think God can do anything in the world to take care of you. So thirdly here, but only if you allow him to take you through a season of obedience. See, as we go through this story of, of Elijah, you're going to see over and over that Elijah just does what the Lord tells him to do. There'll be times when he is questioning the Lord, but he's always obeying. Remember verse seven says, but after a while, the brook dried up and there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. But the Lord isn't done with Elijah yet. And he's not done with any of us. And the instructions are coming. For Elijah, it came in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zer... Yep, now I can't get it out of my mouth. Zerfath. Zerfath, near the city of Sidon. So here's your first assignment. This is your first uh, homework assignment. Uh, today, we're not going to go through the rest of 1 Kings chapter 17. But I want you to read for yourself. I want you to finish out this chapter during this week. And I want you to find out exactly how the Lord took care of Elijah in the rest of this chapter. See, I don't know what the Lord has, in prom has promised for you. 
I don't know what he is leading you through. I don't know why you're in the ravine and what this morning or this week or in this season in your life. It might be for a new ministry. It might be for a new opportunity to serve him. It could be for a new job. It could be for a raise. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. I know that Elijah would have never seen the miracle of tomorrow if he wasn't obeying today. So what is God telling you today in order to lead you to his promise for tomorrow? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your lesson of this man of God named Elijah. We thank you, Lord, that you can take this man of obscurity and give him the bravery to stand before a king and declare what is going to happen to a man that would uh, be in the position of uh, saying exactly what would happen in his, in his territory. But God, you are above it all. We thank you, Lord, that we see Elijah being able to do what he did that day through bravery. But we know, Lord, it only came through prayer. We thank you, Lord, for giving him the courage to obey you that day, to stand in front of a king who had the power to kill him, who may have even been chasing him. But we thank you, Lord, for the courage of Elijah that we know only comes through a life of obedience to you. And so, Lord, we pray for that as well for us, that you would give us your words to say to a world that has everything all mixed up, but Lord, would you give us those words because we have spent that time with you in prayer. Lord, may we seek you out. May we seek out your face first. Then, Lord, then would you give us your words. And so, Lord, may we be beacons of light in our society, in our town, in Pekin, in Peoria, in Washington, in Tazewell, in Peoria counties. Lord, would you use us but first, Lord, may we be people of prayer, dependence, and obedience. Lord, we even say thank you for taking us through the ravine and molding us and making us into the people that you need us to be. It stinks while we're here. We don't understand it, but we trust you, Lord. We trust that you are the one that will provide for us. Lord, may you be glorified through the life of this church for all those that are here and all those that are watching online today. May you be glorified through our lives of prayer and obedience. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.